Let's kick it off on a Friday edition. Welcome into the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. You can visit them at dlbasementsystems.com alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, on this Friday afternoon. Got you for the next two hours, and it's a busy one here on Sportsnet today. It's a Calgary Flames game day tonight at the Scotiabank Sandal Dome. Preseason game five of eight for the Calgary Flames. Tonight, a little Battle of Alberta preseason edition. We'll get you lineup notes, deep pairings, and even roster cuts ahead of tonight's matchup coming up with the Edmonton Oilers coming up in just a little bit. Friday, Stamps Report with Matty Rose coming up in hour two. We'll check in on the Stampeders ahead of their matchup with the Hamilton Tiger Cats going on Saturday. A quick reminder that the fan feedback line is always open to you here on Sportsnet today. Shoot us a text at 960-960. But very happy to kick the program off on this Friday. By going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, welcoming in our new Friday regular on the program. You hear him every day here on Sportsnet 960 as a co-host on the Fan Checkdown. But he's going to join us every Friday going forward in the NFL season. Chat about Thursday night football and the upcoming Sunday slate. Very happy to welcome in from uh, Sportsnet 590, the Fan in Toronto. It's our pal Matt Marchese. Matty, happy Friday, pal. How are you? I'm good, Logo. Happy Friday to you. How's it going? I'm doing great, man. Uh, Thursday Night Football got us off with a bang last night, and I'm excited to uh, to have these chats with you coming up. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. You know me. I, I could talk football till the cows come home, so uh, <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong as we start this off, but if I remember correctly going into the season uh, as we were getting ready for another NFL year, you were a Lions believer this year, were you not? I certainly was. I picked them to win the division. I actually, my bold prediction was that they were going to get to the NFC championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. So I would say that I, I'm definitely a believer. As someone who's rooted for the Buffalo Bills all my life, um, I think I have a soft spot for the underdog and the lovable loser. So uh uh, Detroit definitely falls into that category. Well, uh, your prediction looks pretty good through four weeks. They walk into Lambeau Field, uh, do damage to the Packers in the first half, and cruise to a 34-20 win. What, with the Lions in this 3-1 and start to you, is has been the most convincing part of, of their start, Matty? Has it been the defense? Has it been Jared Goff? What part of this Lions start have you liked the most? You know, I, I think it's the defense for me because if you look back, you know, a year ago, they had maybe the worst defense in football. They were, you know, constantly giving up a ton of points and and they were just it was a defense that had holes all over it. And and now when you look at it, you look at the improvement of a guy like defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, who was good in his rookie year, but he's been fantastic. To start the year. Then you look at the moves that they made. They, they brought in Cam Sutton from the Steelers in the secondary. He's been really good. Um, CJ Gardner-Johnson was, was good up until he got hurt, and hopefully they get him back. Uh, Brian Branch was a second-round pick that you know probably shouldn't have been a second-round pick, and he's looked really good. I, I think that the defense has been the story because we knew that they could score points. We knew that 
kind of whoever they brought into the running game, and this year it's been David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, that they were going to be able to run the ball. The offensive line was good, but it was the defense that was going to have to carry the day for them because, frankly, they weren't very good last year. They were actually awful. And so the turnaround that that side of the ball has had, that to me has been one of the most impressive stories in all of football. Do we underrate Jared Goff and, and what he's able to do as a quarterback? I know he, he hasn't always been the flashiest guy, but uh, for the most part, he's done a lot of good winning. And yes, it, it resulted in a Super Bowl win for the Rams. So you're never going to discount the value of that trade. But I feel like Matthew Stafford gets kind of, or Jared Goff, excuse me, gets kind of underrated in all this stuff. He's overall, I think, a pretty decent quarterback when it's all said and done, Matty. He's, he's good. He's, he's better than serviceable. He can, he can win you football games. Do I think that, you know, Donovan and I had this conversation a little bit today, but we had it earlier in the year. There are quarterbacks that you can win because of. There are quarterbacks that you can win with. And then there are quarterbacks that you need to win in spite of. I think Jared Goff falls into the middle category, and he's a quarterback that you can win with. He can carry you for a couple of games because he's talented enough, but he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. Like he's not. He's not any of those guys. But he is in a tier, you know, in the top twelve among quarterbacks in the NFL because, you know, we we talk a lot about having weapons, and and in L.A. with the Rams, he had weapons. He had Cooper Cup, and you know, Robert Woods was really good. And at one point. Sammy Watkins was a decent receiver, and you know Tyler Higby had a, a, a small surge at the end of one season. But when you look in Detroit, he's got Amon Ross St. Brown, who's excellent. They traded away T.J. Hawkinson. They brought in Sam Laporta. But other than those two pass catchers, I mean, you could kind of put Jameer Gibbs in that category. You know, he's thrown to Josh Reynolds, he's thrown to Marvin Jones. Um, it's not it's not murderer's row in terms of wide receivers. And I think that's why it makes it even more impressive what Jared Goff is able to do. I do think that he's kind of underrated. You know, they, they joked uh, they Ryan Fitzpatrick on the broadcast at one point called him the poor man's Matt Ryan. And Jared Goff kind of took offense to that and said, you know, I didn't think I was a poor man's anything. Um, and he was right. He, he's not. And he, the turnaround that he's had with the Lions has been really impressive because you know, he's, he was an afterthought in that deal with the Rams. He was the throw-in because you needed to make the money work. That was that was Jared Goff's role in that. And that trade, yes, the Rams won. And you, you always make that trade if you guaranteed a Super Bowl, and I get that. But the Lions put themselves in, in a really good place with the picks that they got, what they turned into, and the fact that Jared Goff has really been able to flourish under Ben Johnson's system. Over the other side of last night, Matty, how are you feeling about the Green Bay Packers four weeks in with a two and two record? Uh, better than I thought. I think Jordan Love's been been better than I anticipated it would be. And now that is with the caveat that that offensive line did him absolutely no favors last night. No. Um, it really hasn't done him a lot of favors throughout the year, uh, which is you know to say that I don't getting healthy is maybe the only way to kind of solve that problem and. David Bakhtiari probably not getting healthy, so that's a big miss for them. But you look at at the weapons around him. Aaron Jones was banged up. He was on a snap count last night. Christian Watson was banged up. He was on a snap count last night. Uh, A.J. Dillon hasn't been very good. 
Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs have been better than I think anybody could have anticipated. And then they lost Luke Musgrave last night to a, to a concussion. Couple that with, you know, the play calling wasn't great in the first half yesterday. They didn't really do anything to kind of curb that pass rush. And so I thought, I thought Jordan Love was probably as good as he could have been in those circumstances. He was much better in the second half. Um, he's made some errant throws that you kind of look and go, okay. But we also forget, yes, he's been in the system for whatever it is now in year four. But he's only made five career NFL starts. Like, he's still very much raw in terms of what he's going to be as a quarterback. It's funny, when I, when I watch him, you can tell that he was Aaron Rodgers' backup for all those years. Some of the motions on the throws, some of the, you know, how his feet are set or maybe not set – looks a lot like what Aaron Rodgers did. Like, he took a lot from Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know if anybody thought the Packers were going to be a playoff team. I certainly did not think they were going to be a playoff team. I think you have to be happy with 2-2 and and seeing that there are positives in Jordan Love's game and that he is going to be a starter for this team for the foreseeable future. I just don't think that the way the offensive line is set up right now and, and with them being unhealthy – I don't think you can expect so much from Jordan Love, but I think there are some intangibles there that are going to make him a good NFL quarterback. I just don't know that we're going to see the ceiling anytime soon with, with all the things going on in that offense. So the Thursday nighters in the books. We look ahead to a good Sunday slate coming up here, Matt. And uh, look, it's hard to go anywhere on Sunday without starting with the Bills and the Dolphins. Feels like that should be a primetime game. We get it early on in the Sunday slate. I think you had the stat out on Twitter the other day that the Dolphins, despite putting up that massive number against the Denver Broncos last week, weren't actually outscoring teams in the NFL or even the Buffalo Bills by all that much. This is a pretty premier matchup between two really good teams who are going to be fighting for a division down the stretch, eh? Yeah, it's going to be a really fun matchup. And it's, you know, the, the elite Buffalo defense versus the elite Miami offense. And, I don't want to say take away 70 points that they put up against the Broncos because putting up 70 points is kind of a big deal. (laughs) So you can't do that. But what I will say is that the Bills are second in scoring after three weeks because last night's game, I don't know where everybody stands, but going into week four, the Bills were the second highest scoring team in the NFL. They were also the team that allowed the second fewest points in the NFL. Their point differential with Miami putting up a 70 burger on the Denver Broncos, the difference between the two in net points was three. So we're talking about the Bills defense that, you know, okay, the Jets offense isn't very good. And you can maybe make the case that maybe the Raiders offense isn't very good. And you can maybe make the case that Washington's offense is, isn't really good. But Washington still put up, I think it was 36 against the, the Denver Broncos. And so, I mean, they're not horrible but the Bills have been elite. Sean McDermott has taken over the play calling uh, from Leslie Frazier, who took a, a sabbatical. And now we're seeing a different Bills defense. But no Jordan Poyer this week. That's a big loss. Jalen Waddle is in the lineup coming back from the concussion for Miami. This is going to be a chess match as big as we've seen. Sean McDermott versus Mike McDaniel. How do those two teams offset? What it may end up coming down to believe it or not is how the bills offense does against the miami defense because the bills offense the last two weeks has been pretty good uh the defense has put them in good positions yes no question 
But the offense has been very good, and Miami's defense, they gave up 34 points against the Chargers offense that you can say is around the same as the Bills. Very good to elite offense. Uh, granted, the Bills didn't look like that in week one. So I think that's what it's going to come down to, how the Bills offense can keep up with Miami's offense because I don't know that we know what Miami's defense is just yet. Yeah, lots of questions still to be answered. We'll see what the challenge is for both of these teams on Sunday. Uh, early on in that Sunday slate as well, look, both of these teams are winless, but I'm very curious who you'd rather be heading into Sunday, Matty. Would you rather be the Broncos at 0-3 or the Bears at 0-3? I, honestly, I, I mean, they're both horrible right now. Yeah. Here's, here's, where, here's where I think I would rather be the Bears. The Bears have draft capital. They have Carolina's first-round pick next year. They have their own first-round pick. If the Bears lose and Carolina loses, that would stand that they would have the top two picks in the next draft, which allows you to trade the first overall pick again if you really so choose, or you could trade Justin Fields. What are the Broncos going to do? Are they going to trade Russell Wilson? No. I mean, you could trade Jerry Judy if you really felt like it, but is that really going to make, is that going to help you? Are you going to get the most back for a guy like Jerry Judy? Like, I don't see that happening. Yeah. The Broncos traded away a bunch of picks and they're spending a ton of money on Russell Wilson, who isn't very good anymore. It's just plain and simple. That's how it's got to be. Do I blame Russell Wilson for everything? No. I think that the way Sean Payton has kind of tailored that offense, he's trying to make it like he's Drew Brees. Well, the, the world of football doesn't do that anymore. If you have a guy that can move around in the pocket, you got to get him to move around. And that's what they don't do with Russ. So as bad as the Bears have been, as horrible as all of this is, the Bears are in the driver's seat in, uh, in that they have draft capital. They could trade Justin Fields if they wanted to because if they get the first overall pick, I don't know how – as much as I like Justin Fields and as much as I think that what's going on in Chicago is not all his fault from an offensive point of view, I don't know how you could pass up on Caleb Williams if you're the Chicago Bears. So I think the Bears, I would rather be them because as bad as they are, there's still somewhat of a future there. I just don't know who's going to be calling the shots. Matt Marchese is along with us. He's our Friday regular here on Sportsnet today. You can hear him every Monday to Friday here on Sportsnet 960 as part of the fan check down with Donovan Bennett. Matty, there's a ton of interesting options on Sunday to go to on this slate. Uh, I'll ask you a couple before we get into the Sunday nighter and the Monday nighter. Uh, Bengals-Titans interest me a lot. Two teams at one and two have had their struggles this year. I'm really concerned about that calf injury for Joe Burrow. Feels like we've got a long season in front of us and he's still sort of dealing with this injury. And here we are with the Titans side of things. Derrick Henry got stuffed last week against the Browns. Both of these teams, you figured we're going to be in the conversation for a playoff spot, but we've started off with both of them at one and two. Yeah, the, I, I, I look at these two teams and I say, okay, even with the calf injury, I still think the Bengals are good. Um, I look at the Titans and say they have tried to make a living off of Derrick Henry's back, and Derrick Henry's not the same running back anymore. So what do they have? Well, they don't have a very good quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Uh, they have an aging DeAndre Hopkins who it really feels like he stole money from them this offseason, much like Odell Beckham Jr. did from Baltimore. 
And the Titans love I, those I, old wide receivers, man. I don't, I don't get it, Maddie. I know, I know. And you know what? It's, you know what they don't love? Finding a good quarterback. That's what they don't love, and that's been a problem for them. I just look at the Bengals and say they beat the Rams last week uh, with those wonderful white uniforms. They were so fantastic. Um, and that was on, with Joe Burrow on one leg. Do I love the fact that Joe Burrow is playing with his calf injury? No. Do they have a choice? Probably not, even though I don't, disagree, I don't agree with it. But I look at these two teams and I say, this should be the Bengals' game to win, even though they're on the road. The Bengals, they've covered the spread in the last five games between these two teams. They've covered the spread in the last three in Tennessee. I don't see a scenario where the, the Titans are going to be able to put enough on the board offensively, especially with how poor their pass defense has been this year. And we know this could be the game that Joe Burrow shows out and tells everybody, like, okay, I, I'm not done just yet. And so that's why I look at these two teams and I say I'm less worried about the Bengals because Joe Burrow can get to the bye, have you know a week and a half to two weeks off, and then they can be okay. I don't see a scenario where the Tennessee Titans can be okay. I think they're mediocre at best. They have a good run defense. But after that, um, Traylon Burks hasn't really played all that well. Ryan Tannehill's not great. And, and the guy who, you like I said, you run the offense through in Derrick Henry, he's being out-snapped by Tajay Spears right now. And it kind of looks like we're seeing the decline of Derrick Henry at this moment. Sunday nighter, it's the Chiefs and the Jets. This would have been a lot more entertaining matchup with Aaron Rodgers healthy and ready to go, but we're stuck with a primetime edition of Zach Wilson. Matt, how much are you buying into the reports out of New York that Jets players are kind of getting tired of Robert Sala consistently defending Zach Wilson's subpar play? Well, let me put it to you this way, Logo. If you and I are sitting and we're broadcasting together, and I am constantly getting information wrong, and I, I don't sound good, and I'm not taking care of my voice, and frankly, I'm just not performing at the standard that I should be, and everybody in the world knows it. Aren't you going to be a little bit pissed off when the, when the, when the program director says, no, you know what, he's great, he's our guy, said, but everybody can see it. This is what's happening in New York. Zach Wilson has been the worst quarterback statistically as it pertains to QBR in the last two years. Like, it's not even close. He's been so bad. He's had weapons. He can't get the ball out. Is it all his fault? No, the offensive line is horrible as well. But you can't keep saying that Zach Wilson's a guy, Zach Wilson's a guy, Zach Wilson's a guy, because we can all see it. You know, I know that sometimes coaches talk and the coach speak is so bad and we can see right through it. This is one of those cases. I think that if Zach Wilson has another poor showing, this is his last start this year as a New York Jet outside of any sort of injury. I don't care. I don't think Trevor Simeon is much better, but he can't be any worse. They've, if they believe that they are something – they better be making some calls after this week. And the team that I look at, because if the Minnesota Vikings go to 0-4, there's going to be conversations about Kirk Cousins. And if you believe that Kirk Cousins makes you better and you can get into the playoffs, even after you've started 1-3, and mm -hmm. then you have to make that call. If you do not make the call to the Minnesota Vikings for Kirk Cousins, then I do not believe that you think that you're good enough to win. And that's where I think the Jets are right now. 
this is going to be a, like Zach Wilson has to show that he's at least competent because I don't think anybody believes that Zach Wilson is going out and beating the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think that's happening. But he has to look like an NFL quarterback because if he doesn't, then we're going to have a conversation going forward about him and his future in the NFL because I'm not certain that there is one at this point. Yeah, 10 points has been the max that the Jets offense has been able to produce in any game with Zach Wilson at the helm this year. That's not going to get it done, especially against the uh, incoming Chiefs and uh, the Travis Kelsey-Taylor Swift mob that will no doubt follow them to New York. Matty, appreciate the time, man. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the action. Uh, Can't wait to keep doing this on Fridays, pal. All right, buddy. Looking forward to it. You have a great weekend, too, and uh, go Bills. (laughs) Sounds good. Good luck, Matty. See you, pal. Matty uh, Marchese joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's our Friday regular. Stopping by for some NFL chat. We'll recap Thursday night football with Matty, and then as usual, take a look at the upcoming Sunday slate of games. It all kicks off early on Sunday morning. It's a 7.30 kickoff. The NFL is back in London. It's the Falcons and the Jaguars. So an early start out in Calgary time. Then, of course, the rest of the morning slate at 11 o'clock. Your Sunday night, I mentioned, Chiefs-Jets. Monday night, it's the Seahawks and the Giants. We're going to go all football this hour. We're going to switch it up from NFL to CFL. Massive game for the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday in Hamilton. Matty Rose joins us next to talk all things Calgary Stampeders. That, as Sportsnet Today rolls on, here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. CFL Week 17 kicks off tonight. With the battle between the Toronto Argonauts and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That game kicks off at 6 o'clock. Well, in BC, the Lions at 10-4 and welcoming the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for an 8.30 kickoff. Your Calgary Stampeders close out the week Saturday night in Hamilton. Must-win scenario, it feels like, for the Calgary Stampeders at 4-10 and entering Saturday's game. Hamilton coming in at 6-8. and eight. Depth charts, position charts released today ahead of the game. Let's take a look at the Stampeders and the Ticats by going down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, welcoming in Matty Rose, co-host of Russell and Rose on the big show, and, of course, one of our Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet 960. Happy Friday, Matty. How are you, pal? Oh, thank you very much. Doing really well. How are you guys? I'm good, man. Uh, we're looking ahead to this game on Saturday, and look... The, the playoff odds are what they are, and uh, it feels like must-win territory for this group. You sure hope BC can maybe do you a favor tonight and knock down the Riders, but for the Stamps, it's all about handling their own business right now, hey? Essentially. Like, at this point, that loss last week, that really kind of put a damper on the team if there wasn't one already. And that, as you mentioned, has severely hurt their playoff chances now. If they lose this game here on Saturday, then the crossover is officially dead although that seems unlikely at this point too. But listen, you still got a lot to play for. If you're one of the players on this team, you have a lot to prove as far as your next contract, whether it's here or elsewhere. So there's a lot to play for. They can still get in the playoffs, but they're going to need some help. It would start with a win here for the Lions in BC tonight. But like you mentioned, this is a team that's kind of staring down the barrel of a situation that they've never really been in before. And uh, they seem pretty shell-shocked by it, to be honest. Yeah, hard to uh, hard to blame them for that. It's been a lot of winning here in Calgary for the Dave Dickinson, John Huffnagel era. So this is this is new territory for them. But let's look ahead to Saturday, Matty. And uh, surprise, surprise, 
uh, changes on the roster, nothing new when we've had these conversations, uh, especially in the defensive backfield where the Stamps uh, are without a couple of key players once again, but do get Trey Roberson back. Trey Roberson will be back. He'll be starting out at that field side. But like you mentioned, Julian Charles does come out. He goes to the six-game injured list as a result. Um, that's going to be a, a bit of a change for them. But this has been a secondary that's changed a lot over the course of the season. Trey Roberson hasn't been the season, hasn't had the season that we're used to seeing from him at an all-star level. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does getting back in the lineup after dealing with that chest injury. Um, but this is this is a big game injury-wise. Um, you've added a handful of other guys to the six-game injured list here, too. A couple of uh, more backup-style guys. Sean McEwen going to the one-game injured list is a loss. They're going to have a couple of offensive linemen that are, you know, not necessarily new. Their their center is new. His name is Rodeem Brown. Uh, actually played at the uh, U of A before coming here to uh, join the Calgary Stampeders. He's a second-round pick of the Alouettes, but has not yet played a uh, CFL game. He's 23 years old, so... He'll get the call at center today. They're going back to Donny Demery at their left tackle position as well after kind of moving through some bodies there. But once again, just injuries piling up. They already lost Bryce Bell to the six-game injured list. Um, he is joined on there by Hugh Thornton. And then, as I mentioned, Sean McEwen. So this is a team that's been really banged up on the offensive line all season, especially at left tackle. And then when they've been healthy, they've had trouble finding guys that can really play well for them too. So... Um, yeah, never a good thing to see the injury list look like it does. Like I think they have 16 guys in the six-game injured list, which is, you know, it's hard to do anything when you kind of get into a position like that. Have you, can you remember a year, Maddie, covering the Stampeders where we've seen just, frankly, this many injuries on one team? It usually feels like one position gets ravaged, not just like the entire kind of team like this, right? And like you go down the list, like Clark Barnes, that's a starting receiver. Bryce Bell, he was their best left tackle they've had all year long. Julian Charles and Tay Daly have both started at defensive back for this team. Elliot Graham's an elite special teamer. Malik Henry, their prize offseason or prize signing of the offseason. They gave him a three year deal. He's on the sixth game. Natrell Jamerson, he started in the secondary at safety. Peyton Logan, their star kick returner. Like, I'm halfway through the list here, guys. This is something that frankly, it would be really impressive if the team had been able to fight through this, but so much change in the off season. And then you add in all the injuries this year. Like this is a group that just felt from the get go that they were behind the eight ball. When you got this list that we're dealing with. Uh, weird how the CFL schedule works. Haven't seen much of the tie cats this year. And uh, as we were expecting most of the year, we were hoping that this was going to be uh, the matchup between Bo Levi Mitchell and his former team. That won't happen. Bo won't be active for the game tomorrow. How disappointing is it that in his first year away from Calgary, we don't wind up getting that matchup between the Stamps and Bo? Yeah, it's, it's pretty disappointing. Now, granted, this was going to be a situation where they didn't face off in Calgary, which I think was going to be the, the big one that we all think about for sure. It's like Bo coming back to actually play at McMahon where you know he made that building a fortress for many, many years. But that's going to be the, the biggest thing for me is ours this quarterback Taylor Powell going to show out here for Hamilton because they got a lot to play for as well as far as getting into the playoffs as that third seed out in the east it's super disappointing like the, it was the biggest story from the offseason and both had two tough injuries which like if you're the Stampeders you're kind of saying like 
well, we kind of got out of that when we needed to. But then on the other hand, their injuries, you never know how they're going to happen or when they're going to happen. And then on the other hand, you just want to see him succeed for everything that he did for this city. So it's been really tough to kind of just watch this season for Bo, especially how he got hurt the second time, man. Like, didn't need to be in there and has just kind of really put a damper on the start of his career outside of Calgary. Yeah, and it's weird. You kind of mentioned it there, but, I mean, this season hasn't gone how either side probably hoped it would. If you were Bo, you were probably looking to, yeah. you know, go to Hamilton. You got They spent a lot of money on free agents in the offseason. They're hosting the Grey Cup. And for the Stampeders, mm-hmm. you were hoping that this was the start of a new era with Jake Mayer, and both sides have kind of had a disappointing season to this point. Yeah, like the, 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 the tough thing is that when you compare and contrast, like Bo has had injuries, and – I'm not going to really find it really hard to point at someone and say, it's your fault that you got hurt, especially in football. It's got high speed, high, big dudes and violent collisions. So I'm not going to blame anybody for when you're getting hurt in football. But then on the other side, you have Jake Mayer, who has been healthy for essentially the entirety of the season, but has not been able to show the success that he showed last season when he was taken over for bully by Mitchell. So it's it's different ways to get here, but in the end, this is two organizations that are looking at pretty disappointing seasons, especially by their recent standards. Uh, Matty, as we look to this game on Saturday against the Ticats, we've talked about offensive inconsistencies pretty much all year long for this team. They put up just 11 points against the Montreal Alouettes last week. Pretty fair to say that the offense needs to get going if they want to have any chance of picking up a win on Saturday. Yeah, well, if they want to win, then the offense definitely has to get going. Like, for me, it's just like, if you're Jake Mayer, you want to have some good games here and feel like this is something that you can legitimately do going into the offseason. And at points, it, it hasn't necessarily felt that way. And like I've talked about before, like this is a guy who has shown elite-level consistency at different points throughout his career. Like that, that last year when he was starting for Bo, there were multiple times he would throw 12, 13, 14, 15 passes, all complete in a row. And we just haven't seen that this year. So I think it's crucial for this offense. And, and like we talked about, they are going to be down some, some players. Like their Canadian receiver contingent is awfully shallow right now. Um, but it's all about just kind of setting the table with like, we talked to Dave Dickinson every Wednesday on the big show, and I kind of tried to get after that idea of thinking that it's not just this year because, yes, you have to battle and you have to do everything you can to get in the playoffs and salvage this season. I understand that. But at what point do you also start to think, hey, let's make sure that what we're doing here is starting to maybe change the culture so that when we get back next season, this doesn't happen again. Yeah, and I guess that goes for a guy like Cole Tucker who's dealt with injuries this year. You're probably looking to finish the year off strong and head into next year in a better position than they were to finish this year, right? And I, I get I totally understand why Dave would, would take that angle because until you know the, the odds say zero, you're gonna keep fighting, but it sure feels like they've got a couple of those guys, man. You mentioned Mayor, I'll throw Tucker into that conversation. Those just some of those guys that have had ups and downs this season but could really use a nice stretch to finish out the season. 
Yeah, exactly. Cole Tucker's a guy who I think about. Kadeem Carey, his year's been really hard just with injuries. He's another guy that you look at and say him finishing strong would be really big for this group. And then, and then there's another. There's, there's several other guys that I think for this coaching staff, you have to try and prove that this is a team worth sticking around for. Like, I think of a guy like Mark and Michelle. I know Malik Henry's going to be back next year, but if you could somehow flex your roster to have both these guys available to you, then all of a sudden your offense is looking really dangerous. So I think about that and, and, you know, Michelle is just an example that comes to mind. There's a long list of players on just a one-year deal with the stand beaters and across the CFL. But that would be another thing that I'm kind of pondering here as I'm the Calgary Stampeders getting ready for the end of the season. It's, It's not just let's have guys feeling good. It's let's make sure that, there isn't an idea that this isn't the dominant organization that everybody wants to take cues from. Yeah. It feels like it's going to be important for this group to let this be a one year blip and not a, a three or four year process. And, And they've got the talent. We've talked about that. It feels like all season long, but this is a talented group that just hasn't been able to put it together. Uh, I'd be curious to see what Saturday brings. I did want to mention as well, uh, somebody coming back into the lineup that we haven't seen this season will be the season debut for Silas Stewart uh, at the linebacker spot. Obviously, Micah Alway leading the way from that middle linebacker spot all season long, but is it a boost to defense and special teams to have a guy like Stewart back around, Matty? Yes, but like it almost feels like too little too late. Um, this is a guy who came into the season. Um, they wanted him to compete for a middle linebacker job with Micah Alway. They felt like his work last year kind of being a, a fill-in middle linebacker and an elite special teamer had him poised to really fight for that job. And uh, unfortunately, he had a toe injury that has kept him out until now. There were points where it looked like he was close and then he would suffer a setback. So um, that's really tough for Silas. I'm excited to see what he does. But uh, like I mentioned, you know, at this point, that's another guy that I guess we could look at and say, hey, how he finishes the year is going to be really big as far as what he shows and what he's going to be able to do next season. Matt Rose along with us from the big show with uh, Russick and Rose, obviously Stan Peters reporter here for us on Sportsnet 960. What have we missed? What are we looking at here, Matty, as, as for keys? We've mentioned a couple of important guys, obviously the offense, things we've talked about all season long, but what what else intrigues you about this matchup on Saturday? What do you want to see from this Stamps group as we get into the final few weeks of the season? Consistency, dedication, you know, just the kind of things that we wanted to see from this team the entire year. And listen, this is a Hamilton team that, like we talked about the Alouettes last week, right, and, and their defensive metrics, they were either third best, took fourth best, or fifth best as far as their defensive ranks go. Like, they were either top of the CFL or medium of the CFL. The Ticats are not that. They are kind of middle to bottom when it comes to a lot of the major stats. So this is a winnable game for the Stampeders. But at the same time, if if you don't go in there and and don't have everybody pulling the rope in the same direction, it's going to be really hard to come away from Hamilton with a win going into that bye week. A uh, bit of a side note heading into Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different look on those road jerseys for the Stampeders. Obviously, yeah. Saturday is uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation in the CFL in conjunction with a number of teams. Maddie doing some really cool things. And no surprise, the guys at the Calgary Stampeders killed it. You'll see a little bit of a, a different look on their helmet. They've got some gear out. What did you make of the designs that they have uh, for Saturday's game? 
Yeah, I really like the helmets. Uh, shout out to Gio and the whole team there with the Stampeders, but I really like it. I like the uh, the different stripe down the middle, and I think the horse looks really, really good. So um, I love this initiative, like whenever any of the major leagues do it, and uh, I think that the Stampeders did uh, a really good job with this one as well. So um, got to give credit to the artist as well. Uh, the, the name of this particular artist is escaping me at this moment, but... Um, yeah, if you haven't checked them out, go check out the Stampeders on their socials. They have the uh, the story and the pictures for you to see. They're really cool. Maddie, appreciate the time as always, pal. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll chat with you next week, man. Yes, sir. Bye, guys. Thanks, Maddie. Maddie Rose, you hear him every single morning, Monday to Friday, here on Sportsnet 960 on the Big Show with Rusick and Rose, one of our outstanding Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Uh, yes, if you haven't checked it out already, head to calgarystampeders.com. Take a look at the designs that their helmet and pregame jerseys are going to be looking really good on Saturday as they've uh, announced a couple initiatives to observe the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Orange jerseys during the pregame warm-up, specially designed logo on the helmets. Uh, It's really, really cool. Jacob Alexis, Richard Running Rabbit, and Six Sigma Health Services uh, CEO, Dr. Tyler White, Came up with the basic concept for the special logo uh, to be worn by the Calgary Stampeders. It is really, really cool. The helmet's also going to feature custom numbers, braid-style striping to honor the people and traditional use of the braid in the Indigenous communities. It's just awesome. Uh, you're going to get a chance to uh, win one of those special edition pregame jerseys as well. Stampeders uh, Foundation Remax 50-50 tickets uh, going towards that as well. So plenty of good initiatives by the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, on top of what's already a big football game coming up on Saturday. Again, Stampeders and the Ticats kick things off at 5 o'clock on Saturday. That's the back half of a Saturday doubleheader in the CFL. It kicks off with Montreal and Ottawa at 2 p.m. And then the two games tonight, Toronto and Winnipeg. No Chad Kelly for the Argos. They're going to be starting their backup quarterback in that one because they've got the East Division sewn up already. And if you're the uh, Calgary Stampeders, you could sure use a bit of help from the BC Lions. They're hosting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders tonight for an 8-30 kickoff. Sask at 6-8, BC at 10-4. and four. That's going to put a wrap on Hour 1. Lots of football talk in Hour 1. When we come back for Hour 2, though, we're going to switch it back over to hockey, get you set for a Calgary Flames game day, game 5 of 8 of the preseason. We're over halfway there. We're closing in on the 11th of October for the home opener for your Calgary Flames. But tonight, a little preseason battle of Alberta from the Dome. Looking forward to this one. On the other side, we'll get you roster notes ahead of today's game, lines, D pairings, all of that. Plus, the Flames have trimmed their roster again today as the training camp squad continues to get smaller and smaller as we approach the beginning of the NHL's regular season. We'll tell you who's playing tonight against the Oilers. We'll tell you who's coming up uh, from Edmonton to uh, play for the Oilers tonight, and we'll tell you who is off the roster for the Calgary Flames. All of that and more as we get you set for a game day. Flames and Oilers, that's next when Sportsnet Today rolls into Hour 2 here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.